Welcome to the Washington Union Alliance Church Podcast, an archive of our recorded sermons. We're a Christian and Missionary Alliance Church located in Newcastle, Pennsylvania. For more information, go to wuac.org. We have been in a series called BLESS, B-L-E-S-S, it's that acronym, and um, boy, we live in a society that values production at a very fast rate. Our inboxes seem full. You're probably getting a ding on your phone right now, and you're probably like tempted to go and look at it. Um, Whether it's a social media app or email or some other icon, there is just something vying for your attention even right now, right? I mean, it's just turning on and the screen, um, we turn on our devices, we see sometimes for you, maybe even for your work, you just look at the screen all day and you just see boxes of people talking to you. Maybe that's your job. Um, we have our lists seem, seem to be growing longer and longer. We have more time-saving devices at our disposal, and yet we feel like we've got less time to get things done. And God knows the, the culture in which we live, and yet the commands of the Bible are the same. It never changes. God's Word always stays the same no matter in season and out of season. Loving God, loving others, is that is a command, and that's what we've been zeroing in on this series called BLESS and that acronym. So here's the acronym. Begin with prayer, listen, eat, serve, and story. And we began this series by everything's done by beginning in prayer. We are a people of prayer. We can't do anything without prayer. We are intentionally praying for our neighbors who do not know God. And it's vital to listen to re- really well to people. We discovered that listening to others and is critical to being a blessing. And listening is also different than hearing. We also discovered that as well. And we talked about eating together, showing hospitality to people who least expect it, uh, and showing hospitality, what that looks like on the ground Uh, in our lives to do that, and for those who we may not even know very well, and uh, we've looked at that as well. You see, for the early church, they were devoted to this right from the beginning of the early church movement uh, from when Jesus, you know, the Holy Spirit fell and the church was empowered. Acts 2.42 tells us that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added, added to their number daily those who were being saved. And that word for fellowship has this, uh, the original language has this forceful word that uh, means commonness or commonality, and it denotes some kind of sharing with each other. And um, what I've come to know, church, and truthfully, as I've come to know, as I've grown a little bit older, progressively older, is that this idea of fellowship becomes just more and more crucial over the years for, to zero in on. As I've gotten older, that we can kind of drift from fellowship a bit, fellowshipping with one another and being together and being intentional about that. And this outward expression of loving our neighbor as ourself becomes more intentional as the years go by, becomes more and more of a priority to do this, to zero in on it and to drill down on it. We have to be intentional about having fellowship with others and our love for neighbor as Jesus makes clear. And I just also want to say this too. If you're a student, middle school, high school student, these commands are also for you as well, and I just want to encourage you that this also can happen for you too. These principles are also can be made in your circles, in your families, and your friends, where you work, and uh, so I just want to encourage you in, the, in this, as if, or if you've graduated, just graduated, so every, all across the spectrum, um, to be a blessing. 
Love the Lord, Mark 12, it says this. I mean, this is the priority and the four, kind of the heart behind us. Eight times we're told this across the scriptures. Mark, Mark 12, Mark 12 says this. Mark, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. You see, this is not, so love your neighbor as yourself, right? This is not a call for self-absorption. This is always self others centered. Jesus says this in Matthew 7, 12, so in everything do unto others as, as you would have them do to what? You, for this sums up the law and the prophets. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. I had this question posed to me uh, recently if you, about this sermon, or kind of about this series about loving yourself. Like, does that mean that we're self-absorbed? Kind of like, what does that look like to love yourself? Like, I mean, our world kind of, what does this look like for me to, is this, what does that mean exactly? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Um, if self-love in a spiritual sense is that you're redeemed and forgiven in Christ, and the self you're called to love, the self that you're called to love is that redeemed love of Christ that's been poured into us. And it's not necessarily a carnal love or a love of power. It's a self-giving love. And it's not as if we love ourselves to the point of it becoming an idol. We love ourselves to the point that we can't or we won't love our neighbor. It inhibits us from loving our neighbor. Um, Perhaps we're too absorbed in the world revolving around us. Then we don't really love other people and doesn't flow out toward a love for our neighbor This is a call for us to know who we are in Christ. We are forgiven, redeemed, and then letting our identity in Christ flow out toward a love for others. And it's not to neglect who we are either. I'm not saying never don't take care of yourself. We're to love ourselves as God the Creator originally created us to be, and we naturally care for other people outside of, kind of a flow out of that love for other people. You see, even recognizing and understanding that there's nothing we can do to earn God's love liberates us to actually love other people really well. There's nothing we can do to earn God's love. He's done it through Christ. So we operate out of this understanding that we can love others out of an absolute place of certainty and assurance and security, that we can really love other people really well because we ourselves have experienced the love of God. And so we Today, we're talking about serving others. What does it look like to serve people? Have you ever been in the context of two toddlers fighting with each other? Some of you, it's like about 20 minutes ago. I just witnessed that. Um, um, Well, if you know, um, if you've been in the context of this, you know that if you've been in that situation, it is not often who gets what or who has what, who hasn't shared enough of the toy with the kids and whatnot. Um, this kind of thing, like, if you've ever been in that, it's kind of a fight, man. Like, two toddlers fighting, it's, you know, it's war out there. Um, this kind of thing happened with the disciples, even in the closest followers in his ministry, right at the get-go of his ministry. So this sort of kind of thing happened, not necessarily fighting over a physical toy, but just sort of uh, arguing with each other. And it comes in Mark 10, page 716 of the Bible in front of you, Mark chapter 10, verse 35. And if you are visiting with us, watching, we are Washington Union Alliance Church. We value this book, the preaching and teaching of the scriptures. So I pray that you would find a church that does the same, preaches and teaches the scriptures faithfully. I'm going to read Mark 10, starting in verse 35. It says this, Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. 
What do you want me to do for you? He asked. They replied, let, us want, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with. But to sit at my right or my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. And when the ten heard about this, they became what? Indignant with James and John, Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your what? Servant. And whoever wants to be the first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be what? served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So to be great in the kingdom requires a posture of service. It's all across the scriptures. It's all across Jesus's ministry, teaching about the kingdom of God, and it's all about how we operate in the kingdom of God. We live a life of service, and yet we know this jockeying for position, even among Christians, can be a hindrance. I mean, Jesus even speaks of it in Luke 22 at the Last Supper on the very night of his life, last night. There are the disciples at the table at the very last night, wondering who's going to be the greatest. In Luke 22, a dispute also arose among them as to which of them was to considered to be the greatest. Jesus said to them, the kings of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you're not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest and the one who rules like the one who what? serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is, not the one, is it not the one who is at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. And to be like Jesus is to be a servant. And Jesus was the greatest, and yet he served and became a servant. My disciples, he says, my disciples got to follow my pattern and follow me in this life of service. And they have to follow this. In Galatians 5, 13 and 14, Paul says, he writes this, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. And the Holy Spirit, now, the Holy Spirit, so love your neighbor as yourself. We talked about that. And the Holy Spirit has gifted us with certain gifts and certain attributes and has done so so that we can serve the body of Christ and work powerfully through us and it's about serving the greater good of the body of Christ. In 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4, there are certain different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but all of them, and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is for the common good. Multiple gifts, many gifts of the Holy Spirit, but when we function in our giftings, our spiritual giftedness, it just changes everything. When we operate out of our what we're gifted at and where we function, it's a wonderful thing. A golf club, right? How many of you play golf? How many of you attempt to play golf? Me, um, right? We know that the golf, that golf club was designed by a designer. We know the function and the intention, right? If, you, if you're a golfer, you know the function and the intention of that golf ball is to what? If the club is to what? Hit the ball, right? And I know when that ball hits directly in the center of that golf club, it's the sweet spot. 
And when it does not hit the, that center of the golf club, we know where it goes, which is often my case. It, it's called, a, it starts with an S. Slice. Yeah, it's the sweet spot. My ball often slices. When it hits the ball, it's functioning the way the designer functioned it, designed it to be. And in the words of Eric Liddell, the flying Scotsman from Chariots of Fire, Jenny was, Jenny was struggling because the missionary work had to be done, but he had to run in, in the Olympics. And he said, I believe God made me for a purpose, and he also made me fast. And when I, feel his, when I run, I feel his pleasure. When we experience our giftedness, we experience God's pleasure in doing what God created us to do and to be. But it, can we just be vulnerable just for a second? Can we just be vulnerable for a minute? You're like serving people, like maybe that just didn't go well for you. Maybe you got a bad memory. You've got some bad apples. You got some bad apples that poisoned the well. When you served, that just poisoned the well for you, and it just caused poison in your soul. And maybe it just made things hard, and maybe you're just like cringe. You cringe when you think about serving other people. And maybe in your soul, you're speaking, this soul is speaking inwardly right now, and as I make these few statements, you can resonate with some of these serving instances as well. You can talk about these feelings of cringe and worthy, uh, just exhaustion, um, cringeworthiness, exhaustion, what have you, and it just wells up in your soul. Maybe these, maybe these resonate with you. I served and got exhausted in my soul, or serving seemingly took me away from loving other people. It actually made it worse. Or maybe you feel like serving just doesn't seem worth it or didn't seem worth it at one point. Maybe you're like, man, there was no thank you. The needs never ended. Serving, you're like, I tried that, but didn't seem to make a difference, so I'll just kind of move on. I just, can I have a minute to just speak to that for a second? Um, just speak to all those feelings. Do you notice, you'll notice this in a minute, but in John 13, 17, now, if you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. That word blessed is the same word from Matthew 5 when Jesus gives the Beatitudes. If you're here back with us in January and February, four score and seven years ago, uh, if you were here with us back then, we talked about the Beatitudes and the word blessed and what that looks like. And that same word shows up here in this verse. You'll find scores of literature to find out what it means to be blessed. We're blessed if we do them in sync or happy, in alignment, that word there, the original force of that word to be blessed. But to bless means to have prolonged happiness in sync with God's purposes and plan for your life where others think that you're highly favored. And it's not as if we're pompous about being this way or that we have this low view of other people that we're so much more blessed than they are that we look down on other people. We're blessed because we have this blessed state. This is independent of our circumstances. And it's this ongoing state of who we are and what we know to be true about God and about Christ working in us. Those four words after that in, that in that verse, do you notice those words? You will be blessed if you do them. And it's not so much that we're simply blessed and keep it to ourselves. We kind of hoard it in. We are blessed if we do them. Places motion kind of in this idea of blessing. And in John 13, this context of this passage, this is the night of Jesus' betrayal, and Jesus takes the form of a servant, on, takes on all the things 
to be a servant. And if you think about the last night of Jesus' life, think about the things that are on Jesus' mind and heart, and he'd know he would be handed over. And if, man, if you knew the night before you'd be betrayed, look what Jesus does in verse 12. When he had finished washing their feet, he'd put on his clothes and return to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. And the way to know God's blessing in your life is to become a humble servant like Jesus. You see, this inner, the inner spiritual condition of us will produce the kind of service that God and the Lord expects of us. The true disciple looks upon any opportunity to serve the Lord as a great opportunity to advance his kingdom and further the gospel. Blessedness comes through serving others. And the way to know this blessedness is through serving, service. And sing the songs or big, small churches, doesn't matter. The way Jesus says we're blessed is to serve people and to serve them humbly. Let's read the beginning, uh, John uh, 13, verse 1, page 763, if you want to go there or you want to follow along on the screen behind me in John 13, verse 1. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come to him to lead this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the what? And I love that verse. I don't know about you, I just love verse 1. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. And he said to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath only need to wash their feet. The whole body is clean and you're clean, not, no, not, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that is why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you, he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. And the big picture of this is that Jesus has walked through life with these disciples. He's taught them, and now he's going to be handed over to be crucified. He's entrusting the church to these, to these disciples. Highly relational at this point. And relationships are one of God's greatest blessings, and they thrive in the context of servanthood. Do you notice who else was in this passage? Did you notice this? Did you catch that? Judas and Peter. Uh, Peter was the one who denied Jesus, and Judas is the one who sells, sells 
sells out for Jesus. None of us. I mean, Jesus is asking of us even now with those two. Would you, in my name, would you serve those who have hurt you or rejected you? Would you serve those who've hurt you or rejected you? And now we need to keep kind of this in balance here because he's saying, he's not saying don't stay in situations that are dangerous or relationships that are just outright dangerous. But, you know, and I think about our many of our international workers and missionaries are in places in which they are solely fixated on God and God taking care of them for every need. It's the kind of service that places other people at the forefront even those who are harder to love. And if we're placing ourselves in the shoes and the feet of Jesus, I imagine serving your betrayer and serving the one who rejected you many times, it's hard. It's a, this is a supernatural kind of service that can only come when we've experienced the love of God for ourselves. When we've experienced and we've come to know the love of God for ourselves, it's a supernatural love. It can only come through knowing Jesus and we've experienced that for ourselves. And Jesus is asking us to do something more than being nice. He's asking us to do something supernatural, which is to serve other people and to serve those. Man, serve love, supernatural, like love, love those and serve those who have hurt me? Really? There's just no way. You see, we are only able, we are able to serve like Jesus only when we have first experienced the love of Jesus Christ. Like he doesn't, why doesn't he say, you know, you guys wash each other's feet and then I'll teach a principle after this. He says, this is absolutely critical that I wash you first. And when you've experienced the fullness, when you've experienced the fullness of my love, then you'll be able to give it away to other people. Um, Behind me is Washington Union Wally. Washington Union Wally. Um, He's a great, right? Um, Vincent Van Gogh. um, through it. Um, Washington Union Wally's behind me, and he is happy when he has experienced, first experienced the fullness of the love of God, and then only then, when we've experienced the love of God, can we fully, can we fully be of service to other people. And it's First John that says the love of God has been poured into our heart by the Holy Spirit, and after he's experienced God's love through the Holy Spirit, the love of God, as he's opened the scriptures up and he's looked at this, it's in and only then he's able to give that love away. In 1 Peter 4, verse 11, it says, If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. Foot washing was a pretty common thing in that day because the roads were dirty. Uh, very dusty, and the, you took on this posture. When you entered into somebody's home, the washing of feet took the form of a servant. Raise your hand if you would still like to do this in modern day, right? Somebody comes in and you're washing the feet of a visitor. We won't raise our hands for that. Um, and this picture of our, it's this picture of our spiritual lives. Sometimes like the spiritual dirt on a daily basis, our attitudes, actions, reactions, Sometimes our attitudes, when it just comes to serving others, is just not there. What happens there? What happens in those ideas when we're just, our just, our just, ad, just act, reactions, actions, all of this, it's like, I'd just rather not, you know? So what do we do? We run to Jesus. 
Because he says, I will wash you. I will wash you. Come to me. This changes, you know, and when I discovered this, this changes the way, even as I do devotions, as I, quiet time, as I do devotions. This changes the way because it changed, it changed my way of doing this. Jesus is saying, I want you to experience me and then give me away to other people. And for that to happen, we've got to bring our spiritual feet to him. The stinky and unglamorous kind of parts of us, that, that stinky and unglamorous parts that we sometimes keep covered and don't want people to know about. And this invitation is to have Jesus wash that part of us and to have them. And it's Jesus for to say, you've got to let me wash them. And sometimes when it comes to serving, we just, we, we don't, we just don't want it, or we have this thing like we're above that, or we've outgrown it. We've outgrown serving other people. We've grown, you know, maybe we've grown into spiritual maturity, and, and we've sort of outgrown that part. We're already there by now, maybe. Um, Peter says, when Peter says, you'll never watch, wash my feet, it's a bit prideful there. But you see, none of us grow, outgrow our need for Jesus to make us clean. None of us. None of us outgrow our need to serve other people. And if Jesus, the Son of God, could get down and kneel, on, kneel down before those who would betray him and hurt him, we can too and we should. We will be blessed if we do them, as Jesus says. I'm not sure who you think about when you think of someone who serves, but I think about my grandma Phillips. Um, grandma was a servant, and I mean, every time um, you would go to grandma's house, uh, she would be doing something. It would be something for missions doing something for missionaries, packing up shoeboxes to give to Operation Christmas Child, stacking them years in advance in her closet, um, and keeping everything and saving everything to send shoeboxes overseas. It was just amazing. Making baked goods for her neighbors. She had like three or four kids in a Sunday school class for over 30 years, and loving the least of these was her mantra. I mean, just listen so well to people, and... Um, truly listened, and she was a nurse. The majority of her career was a nighttime shift nurse for the majority of her career. You just, I just gravitated toward people like Grandma Phillips. You just gravitate toward those kind of people who serve. And it's because they operate, and those, these people operate, and I believe that they operate from a place of love, not for it. We serve from a place of love, not for love. We cannot make the reaction of the one we're serving, the payoff we're serving. When we serve from this kind of posture, from love, it changes the way and how we serve other people. Not for love, from love. And it truly changes the game because it's truly, there's something in us, innate in us, that changes inside of us, and then we operate out of this. There was one time I came across a story uh, about Nellie, and Nellie was 85 years old and lived in her neighborhood. Uh, Nellie lived through the Great Depression and World War II. Her husband was a hardworking farmer who died young from emphysema. Uh, she lived on her own for 30 years, taught herself to play piano and learned to ride a bike at the age of 70. She was determined, but she was known in her neighborhood by how she served, by how she served. She had a neighbor across the street quite a bit younger than her, but the neighbor's health was in serious decline. And somehow through listening or praying or eating, Nellie discovered that she that this neighbor could not keep her toenails clipped. So Nellie found a need and offered to help clip her toenails every week. 
I just have this picture of Nellie getting down in her 80s, and of course she could physically do that at that point, getting down and serving, walking across the feet, or walking across the street to cut her neighbor's toenails, just like Jesus did. I hope I'm like Nellie, and I hope I can become like her one day. Jesus had, there's these kind of three P's of service that Jesus had. He served in proximity to people, personally, and he served powerfully amongst his followers and amongst the people and the crowds that were around him. There's a story in Mark 7 of Jesus along the Sea of Galilee, and they brought someone to him who was deaf and had an impediment in his speech. And he took him aside from the multitude, and he put his fingers into his ears, and he spat, and he touched his tongue, and immediately his ears were opened. And we learn that he took him aside, very personal encounter with this, very, imperson- very personal in proximity, very, very personal encounter. And sometimes we want to do kind of the big and bold thing, like serving, the big and bold, and kind of like want other people to know about that when we served. Jesus tells us this is a danger to like want to be pompous about serving. It says in Matthew 6, 1, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. And I just imagine Jesus taking this man aside. And you kind of know the feeling of getting picked on or made, you've been made fun of before. And I imagine this man might have been mocked as a child, perhaps. Jesus takes him aside, serves him with dignity in a way that he understood his needs beyond his obvious ones. And I just imagine this, these three Ps, and that Jesus had this all laid out for us. As we serve people in proximity, personally and powerfully, as the way Jesus would. So some common things as we say in response to this, like, right, if we think about serving, just some things we say in response to the word serve. We're like, can I trust this? Like, can I trust, can I, can I trust that this is actually, like, maybe you're saying, I've been burned before. I served before, and I just don't want to get burned again. I've tried it. I just don't really want to try it again. Sometimes we sort of play the, the, the I don't have time kind of thing, right? Like, I just don't have time to serve other people, right? And we kind of lean into that at times where we say, you know, I just don't have enough space in my own schedule to serve other people. It just doesn't seem fair, right? And maybe for you, another one would be like another common thing would be like, I'm just not really sure where to begin. How do I start to serve other people? I'm not sure where to start. I'm not sure where to begin with this. I have no idea how to start or how to serve or where to serve. I'm not sure where to begin. Another one would be like, I've kind of outgrown it. And to respond to the word serving, like, man, I've just kind of just, I've passed that already. And maybe those, some of those responses kind of well up in your soul, like when you think about serving. I just want to go back to verse 1 of 13, chapter 13. It says this, it was just before the Passover festival. I just want to zero in on what that means, the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave the world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. You see, Passover was this critical time in the land and the day of Jesus' world. It symbolized the Old Testament of the angel of death passing over the doorposts that were covered by the blood of the, of the spotless lamb. And the angel of death passed over the homes. It's in the Old Testament Exodus. 
passed over the doorframe of the home of the Israelites in that, in that day. And sometimes we kind of think, like isn't, like, isn't that there anymore? Like, Jesus died for us. We kind of, like, look at this, and we're, you know, we sort of think, like, maybe we were past the serving aspect of this, and yet I'm always brought back to this kind of central moment of when Jesus died for us on Calvary, on the cross on Calvary. He did so that we could be free. We are free to serve. He died for us, the spotless lamb on Calvary. He did for you, and we are free to serve other people. We are completely free. We are free to serve because we have been completely made new and spotless before God because He is our substitute, and we are free to love and to serve other people because of that. And you see, even in, as I have looked at this, and as I looked at this this week, I'm reminded of John 13, church. I am reminded that in John 13, the context of this is His disciples. The context of this is around the people whom Jesus knew really well and knew best. People who walked with him and knew each other very, very well. The context of Jesus getting down and washing the feet. I imagine he gets down and he washes the disciples' feet. The dirtiest parts about them. And he gets down are the people that he absolutely knew very, very well. The people that he had done life with so well. And some of us gets a towel, washes their feet. And some of us have lived here our entire lives and have lived in this in Lawrence County majority of our lives, perhaps. And maybe the Lord in this moment is tapping you on the shoulder to not throw in the towel on our neighbors whom we know super well. And God might be saying, I'm still that same God that moved powerfully then. And I'm still the same God today. Don't quit on that neighbor or that neighborhood that I love so dearly. And don't quit on the people whom I love. Because the context of this is the people whom he knew really, really well. And maybe God is just tapping us to say, don't quit on serving. Are we allowing ourselves to be marked by the change that only Jesus can bring? Are we, are, are we allowing, are we changing with the world around us, around you? I mean, being salt and light in this world, or are we simply, we being salt and light, or were we passerbys? And when Jesus calls us to be something greater, something much better, maybe God's calling you to get your hands dirty today. Maybe it's perhaps a Peter or a Judas. Maybe they haven't fully understood or can't seem to love on a deeper level. Maybe it's that person that we've been, maybe we've been waiting on someone else to serve us first or to give you the first sign of forgiveness. But maybe Jesus is calling you to step out. And I believe that God continues and is calling us as a church to this kind of devotion to Jesus. Who is it, even as we look at John 13 as disciples, who is it even in the church Sometimes we know the most and know really, really well, and sometimes they have also caused hurt. Who's the person that needs cleansing that only that we can provide? And I pray that we would come and be cleansed and be washed away by the blood of Jesus and come to Him only when, when for service, to be empowered for service. Uh, will you stand with us? I'm gonna, the last slide is going to be, we're going to read this together in John 13, 34, and then I'll have the worship team come up after this.
We'll read this together, church, in John 13, 34. If you'll read this with me. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone know that you are my disciples if you love one another. This is the word of God, and we believe it. Amen. Amen. Worship team, will you come on up as we sing? Let me pray for us. So we just quiet our hearts before the Lord today.